Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Dr. Jessie Haymeyer. She's the physician founder of Well Empowered, where she's practicing data-driven outcome functional medicine. Well, of course, we love data over here. We test not guess. And Dr. Jesse and I have a fabulous conversation all about health and in particular us women and how we kind of inherited how we take care of our bodies from what we've seen from whether it's our caregivers, our mom, our grandma, or even social media these days. So nevertheless, it's it's a great conversation and we really get into how you can really change how you approach aging and how you approach health in general, diets, weight loss, all those things, if you kind of master that middle ground. So let's introduce you to Dr. Jesse Haymeyer. Hey, health junkies, I have Dr. Jesse Haymeyer on today, and we are going to be talking about how we've been kind of in, inherited this mindset around health and how it's supposed to look and how we're supposed to do things. And really what women have the most brain damage around that I've found is the whole weight loss thing. And holy cow, we have really done a number on ourselves in that department. So Dr. Jesse Haymeyer, welcome to the Health Fix podcast. Thank you so much, Janine. It's such a pleasure to be here with you and your audience today. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to talk today because we have a lot in common in terms of our thought processes um, that we've discovered chatting off off record here. And, you know, really one of the biggest things that that we're going to get to here in a little bit is really talking about that inherited paradigm around how we care for ourselves and, and our bodies. But before we dive into that, I would love to know, how did you come to become a doctor? What was that process? What was that pathway? I'd love to hear stories. So set us off. You got it. Well, I always like to say straight lines are boring. And, uh, and, and my, my journey to do what I do to become a doctor and practice data driven natural medicine is is definitely not a straight line. Um, But for me, it really started with an aha moment, you know, when I, as I was graduating from college, I went to UCLA undergrad and um, somewhere towards the end of my undergraduate uh, program, it, it kind of hit me that, wow, isn't this interesting? I actually sculpt my class schedule around when I want to work out and move and use my body. Right. Huh. Interesting. Right. So mm-hmm. that, that definitely caught my attention. And, and from there, I started to look at where I might go professionally that it would a- allow me to contribute to people in their health. And I first started working as a physical therapy aide. Uh, I moved back to Chicago, where I'm from. And ultimately, in 2002, before, you know, boutique gyms were a thing, opened up the first high intensity strength training boutique facility in Chicago that is still there today. Um, So, uh, so I was the managing partner there for about four years. And towards the end of that, before I sold my half, why I decided to move along was that I saw I wanted to be able to contribute to people and their health journey 
at a higher level, expand my capacity to contribute. So I sold my half. Um, from there, I, I did a little brief stint in medical sales and quickly realized that was not going to scratch the itch. Although I did learn a lot about the politics of insurance in that role. So that was useful. Um, mm -hmm. But ultimately made my, made my way to medical school from there. So I, I got my degree first as a chiropractor and somewhere in the middle of my chiropractic degree, saw the opportunity to shift my curriculum to really focus on data-driven natural solutions as opposed to uh, musculoskeletal uh, natural remedies, you know, which most people think about with chiropractors. Uh, in the state of Illinois, unfortunately, as you know, <laughs> naturopaths aren't licensed. So, right, I say I'm a naturopath trapped in a chiropractor's body, but people in Illinois don't know what a naturopath is. So, um, so yeah, so from there, I went on to get my master's of science in nutrition and functional medicine. And, you know, since I got my license, I've been I've been practice, practicing functional medicine and, and just really grateful to do this work with people. Oh, man. You know, your story is not uncommon for a lot of us that run through this this health field. You know, most folks have dabbled in fitness, you know, in one realm or the other and then moved into, you know, either chiropractic or naturopathic in, in my case. And yeah, the funny thing, American Medical Association is in Illinois. So that's right. Bingo. That explains why us naturopaths will never um, hang out there uh, fully. But all that aside, really, you know, one of the things that I think maybe you might have seen, too, with the fitness industry and, and, and I, you know, I see it as probably where I ended up inheriting my paradigm around health, because I started working out in an early age, I started working out at like 12, 13 years old, um, as part of a recommendation from my swim coach. And, and, you know, they were all saying like, okay, you should start lifting weights and, you know, let's build this body a little bit more. And then I started to see what was going on in the fitness industry. And then it just took off from there. So let's talk a little bit about this inherited paradigm and, and kind of this all or nothing approach and things of that nature, that's just not serving us. Tell us a little bit more about what you've seen. Yeah. Well, in, in to add a little more color to the journey for mm -hmm. me, it was kind of in my mid to late twenties when I was an owner of that gym where I was still struggling with my weight. And I really got that, two things. First of all, I got what I was doing and had been doing for well over a decade was not working. Like it wasn't working and getting me the outcomes. And it certainly wasn't working and having me feel empowered. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was one thing I got. The second thing that I got was that I wanted my life to be a lot more than struggling with my weight. You know, it was like the amount of time and headspace and emotional energy I was giving to this area of my life. Uh, it, 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 like when I really sat down and contemplated it, it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, my life is going to be about connecting with others deeply and contributing and experiencing the joy of life and, and, and living and evolving. Right. And so for me, that really shifted my approach to my own health and opened the gates for me to master my weight. And for me, it always lived like in service of my future ability to do the same with others, right? So that's just a little, little bit more about uh, the details of my journey. But you know, to speak to the inherited paradigm, right? The inherited paradigm 
first of all, it, it lives as an all or nothing expression, right? It's the whole 30 followed mm. by day 31. <laughs> give me a deep dish Chicago pizza and a bottle of wine, right? <laughs> That's like, you know, the, uh-huh. the all or nothing lived, right? And certainly something I could have related to in my my twenties. Um, and you know that that whole all or nothing paradigm is if we peel back the onion one more layer, it's an expression of self aggression, and it yeah. just doesn't work, right? It's it's deprivation or overindulgence. These are the two options handed to people, and you know, there's just no winning. There's no winning. And so really to me, where I invite people to move towards is a whole new paradigm that I call mastering your middle ground, right? And mastering your middle ground is an expression of self-love and it's a lived journey. And, and it's, it, when I work with people, it's collaborative in the sense that people need to understand what's going on with their body and where their points of leverage are physiologically speaking to support them, their body, their physiology, their health, such that they can produce the outcomes they care the most about. But also there is this dance between um, making that progress right? One foot in front of the other, or I I like to think about it like crossing the monkey bars. Like, okay, let's, we want, we want to grab the next rung and we want to select it intelligently, right? We want to see what's going to have spiral up benefits for you and move in this journey and learn over time. It makes sense. It makes sense. And, and, you know, I'd like the middle ground because I think part of what gets us in trouble is that restriction, 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 and then tendency to binge. I, I've watched myself, you know, oh, I haven't had potato chips in three months. And then I get a bag and I'm like, all right, who's the alien that ate those chips? Cause it certainly wasn't me that ate the whole bag. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, so many people can relate to this, you know, I'm going to, I'm giving up X, Y, Z. And, and so, you know, typically the lead up to giving up X, Y, Z means, you know, complete overindulgence, right? I'm never going to have potato chips again. So I'm just going to eat three bags, not just one, just three, give me three. I want all flavors, just give them to me. Right. And then, then it's, you know, a complete abstaining. And then, you know, again, repeat the behavior, right? It's this back and forth and back and forth. And so, you know, what's such a joy in working with people and seeing people arrive at a place where they no longer use words like cheating or good or bad, you know, it's like this whole expression of morality around what we're eating or drinking, what we're doing or not doing right. Good, bad, cheat, should, shouldn't. Um, That's all part of this, this inherited paradigm. And there's no good and bad, good or bad in any of these things, right? They just produce certain outcomes and either we like them or we don't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny you mentioned the good or bad. I often feel like I am a priest and I'm sitting in confession often with, with clients when they're like, so I ate pizza on Friday and I'm like, Cool. Did it, was it good? Yeah. Like, where'd you go? <laughs> Let me know. Oh, yeah, was, <laughs> it was, I want to know. Seriously. And so it feels like that. And I, I think, you know, as women, I mean, we've 
I, you know, I can go back to the eighties. I, I don't remember the seventies when I was a little too young for all of the seventies for me, but the eighties, you know, I do remember watching my mom and, and how I inherited good and bad, even from her verbiage. Do you find that a lot of the clients you work with, even, you know, us in our forties and fifties, and how much we kind of gleaned from that whole diet culture in the eighties and the Jane Fonda's and the, all that kind of stuff. Well, yes, for sure. But I would say it doesn't stop with us, right? Yeah. I work with, I would say most of the people who I work with, they fall from late twenties to early fifties for the most part. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, I'm 46, right? So child of, you know, bicentennial baby here in 1976. Right. And, and so certainly I can relate to everything you're saying there, but definitely even these gals who are in their twenties and thirties, they've got their own version. Right. So it's, it really is, um, it's, it's so, I think a lot about how we ended up where we are. And I do think fundamentally speaking that, um, you know, our cultural obsession with, uh, physical perfection and, and that's typically, you know, thin phys- mm-hmm. is, is what we culturally lean towards, at least at this moment in time. Right. Um, you know, where did it, it where was it born? Mm-hmm. And I do actually think it came from a good place. <laughs> um, and, and if you follow me on this, you know, if you think about, okay, when did women actually have the right to have their own bank account? I mean, it was like the sixties. I mean, it was two seconds ago as far as history goes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you think about time before that, you know, any mother in the world for their daughter, two things must be true. They must be able to have food. They must be able to have safety. They must be able to three shelter part of safety. Right. So all these things that any mom would do anything for their, to secure for their daughter, it's like, okay, they're going to be beholden to a man. Let's make them as attractive a candidate as possible. Right. And so, you know, I think what once started out as maybe a somewhat understandable for the cultural moment sort of uh, emphasis over time uh, has really devolved into something that not only is not necessary, but doesn't serve people. (laughs) Right. No, I can, I can see, I can see needing that that kind of, and now that we have our dependence, independence, that's, that's a little different, but God, you know, I couldn't imagine growing up. Um, I, I couldn't imagine my twenties, right. With all the social media and all the waist trainers and all the like filters and stuff now, and trying to like navigate that, you know, just, it's so crazy to think that. I on totally top of agree. Have you heard of the term thigh gap? No. Oh, wait. Yes, I have. It has to do with how much space is in between your thighs, right? Yes. Okay, I do know. I, yes. I, I, one of the women who I work with who's in her 20s, a uh, couple of months ago, she said that word. And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I, I, Yeah, I, I can't imagine either, let alone, you know, the young gals who are, you know, 20s is bad enough, but 13, 14, 15-year-olds, you know, these... Yeah. Yeah. It's, that is some serious tough business to navigate the social media world at that age. And this is where, you know, I really, 
hope that this podcast can get to women that can talk to either their children or their grandchildren because this middle ground mastery that that you're you're working with and and the and the self-love concept I think is so huge. And a lot of people are kind of poo-pooing and being like, oh self-love, you're just gonna accept yourself where however you are. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not yeah. this. And so I'd love for you to talk about self-love a little bit. Totally. So to me, self-love is a lived expression, right? Um, you know, so I, I, to me, it really is true if we love ourselves and we love this life and our intention is to be here fully in every sense of the word, well, an expression of love is to do what we know to do to have that be true, right? So to fuel our bodies in a way that we know lets us thrive, mm -hmm. to move our body in our ways, in ways we know lets us thrive, to sleep, to rest, to engage all the different things, all of those are an expression of self-love. And, and when you're coming at it from that, that perspective, you know, people really get tuned into when they take actions that are self-betrayal. Right. And by that, I mean, they see, wow, I regret having done that because it wasn't an expression of self-love, right? It was either deprivation or overindulgence, right? Or just flat out something that I, you know, didn't serve me, right? But being able to see that is part of the journey. And, and that requires, you know, developing the ability to be both kind and honest, which is not something that lives in the inherited paradigm, right? In the inherited paradigm, people are either kind and they don't look, right? They don't look at what actions they're doing or not doing. They maybe they don't look at their the scale or their blood work or whatever, right? Or they look and they just beat themselves up, right? And and I promise, you know, it, it is a practice skill to be able to be both kind and honest, but it is it is doable. And I think being able to see when our actions are not an expression of love is really, it's, it's important. It's important to be able to see that because then you can get more clear about what would best serve you in the future and start to make those shifts. That's huge because I think about, and I go, you know, a lot of times, I mean, now, now I can see, right. The, the difference, but I, I think even back five years ago, being a doc, mm -hmm. even I had mm -hmm. those those thought processes that I wasn't really seeing it as being aggression to myself. It was, it was being, you know, I am restricting because I I'm not eating gluten and dairy and, you know, wheat and soy and corn because I want to be healthy, you know, and I'm not going to do it ever and this and that, but I wasn't thinking of it in a terms of self-love. I was thinking it is in, like you said, aggression and gosh, this body, it won't adjust. It won't lose weight. I'm just going to restrict it from everything. And and I see that I get that, you know, now, but I think for a lot of women, like you said, it, it takes some time. What would you, you know, if someone's listening right now and they're like, okay, I kind of see how taking care of myself it, it, in that manner is good. But sometimes I have these cravings and I'm mm -hmm. over, um, uh, you know, I'm overtaken by these cravings. How do I, yeah. how do I navigate that? I would say a few things. One is, can you see what leads to the cravings? Right. Uh, so for example, for some people it might be, well, yeah, I, I, 
I didn't have breakfast and it's now three o'clock. Okay. Well, <laughs> guess what? When you get that hungry, you're, you are, you are actually engineered to crave fast fuel. When you get that hungry, you know, fast fuel being sugar or simple carbs, like the potato chip sort of situation, because your body wants that fuel fast. Those, those things are absorbed quickly. That glucose gets, you know, boosted quickly. So that's, there's a very intelligent design that's behind those cravings. So, you know, if that rings true, it's like, okay, great. How can we help you get fuel in your body earlier in the day such that you don't arrive at the, to that place where you can't even make a sane choice because you're so hungry, right? So that's, that's one way I, I think about it. Another way of thinking about it is, you know, are you looking for pleasure Right. And in which case, like, you know, it's very human and natural mm -hmm. to want to experience pleasure. And are there ways you could experience that pleasure that are more aligned for you, you know, more uh, an elevated expression of love? So in other words, maybe it's a different food, but still scratches the sweet tooth itch, for example, or maybe it's the same food, but it's just a smaller quantity right? Could you be fine with three cookies instead of six? Great. That's a better choice. Fine. Right. And, um, you know, and, and to kind of build on that last point there is really to be in the journey of playing a better game and throwing away the belief that it needs to be a perfect game. Right. So cravings take hold. It's like, okay, fine. Can you just play a better game? Yeah. No, I, th I think, I, I mean, it, it makes sense that we get stuck in this circle of restrict, then binge, restrict, then binge. And it doesn't have to be in, in guys who gals who are listening, the, the binge doesn't mean like binge disorder. I'm talking about like just overindulging, like, like Dr. Jesse's mm -hmm. been saying. And, and I think, do you, I mean, I, do you think that really, cause this is kind of where I've concluded in terms of what kind of keeps weight on women is the binge restrict kind of pattern that we for sure yeah for sure for sure it's it, you know I really do see it over and over again and um you know I I will say layer on top of it the amount of shame people feel about what they're doing or not doing um and it just it just sets the stage for a vicious circle Right. Because, um, again, people have a hard time sometimes seeing exactly what they're doing because it, it feels like such a personal failure. But if people can remove the idea that there is any good or bad, right, they're really, like you said, you know, people arrive to your, uh, you know, to appointments like, you know, confessional style, right. You're the priest. And, yes. and so. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Right. So what if, you know, what if people, you know, just kind of gave up any internal dialogue or external about what they're doing that's good or bad, and just really started living in a conversation called what's a better game, you know, what's a better choice I can make right now, that question can go a long way if if, if it's lived in earnest. Mm -hmm. If it's lived in earnest, you know, and over and over again, coming up with a new answer for each moment. Mm -hmm. I think, I think this is good to for many to hear, especially for, for the women who 
have spent most of their life on a diet, you know, or trying to lose that same 10, 15, maybe 20 now pounds over and over again. You know, it's, it's something that I see a lot in my practice where, where I have women coming in saying, look, I'm doing all the things and I'm still not losing weight. I'm still working. I'm working out. I've tried to up the workouts. I've tried to drop the workouts. I've tried to do this. I've tried to do that. And so just so that we can give some clarity here, we're looking at behaviors. We're looking at thoughts as the root here, not another diet, not another exercise program. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I would say thoughts themselves can be habits, right? We all have our habit thoughts and like the instant replay. And so starting to see those and shift those does open up access to new actions and, you know, with gentleness over time repeated. Um, So yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, you know, in the whole realm of, of weights, you know, it, it is something that I see being the main thing that women will come to me, even though they're like, I know it's my hormones or, or it's my thyroid or it's this or that, but you know, ultimately if we do find something else, okay, we work on that too, but it'll always come back to like, okay, my, my weight's still not coming off. And so with your program, I would love to hear kind of how you work with folks. Like, how do you start out? How do you kind of progress through so folks can hear a little bit more about, you know, the the whole well-empowered program? And and I, I think you have a different name for your, your other programs, but I'll let you kind of tell us. Yeah, sure. So I think about, okay, fundamentally speaking, what does it take to master anything? It takes information, inspiration, and strategy. Information, inspiration, and strategy. And, you know, when I work with people, we integrate those three over and over and again over time. So information, you know, when when I first start working with people, we start with a health audit. And that really gives us access to detailed information on how their body is working and where our points of leverage are to support their body. Um, when we're talking about weight, you know, to your point, I, it's so funny. I, it makes me laugh when, um, you know, sometimes I'll encounter a woman who comes to see me for digestive, you know, IBS, digestive distress or skin stuff, but almost inevitably, it's also like, and a side of weight loss, right? Yes. <laughs> um, please, like, it's very please. cute. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. So, so you know, getting that information, but also in the way of inspiration, I would say that inspiration is different than motivation, right? Motivation mm-hmm. is fleeting, and it, it's what fuels the you know New Year's resolutions and the whole thirty and you know things like that. But inspiration is is fundamentally, I have found that people can tap into inspiration when they get very clear on their intention for their health and their life, right? And I call this creating your vision of vitality, but your intention for your health and your life fundamentally is giving words to how you intend your health to be and occur and how you intend to experience your health as well as what that makes available. Right. And so getting clear on that, but then also staying connected to it, right. Really remembering that this is what it's about and never, ever once it's so funny, Janine, never once has anyone said anything about the scale or their weight in their vision of vitality, because it's really at the end of the day, what do people want to do? 
they want to feel their best and look their best so they can be their best. Mm-hmm. That's it's really just that simple. And you know, that will be expressed differently, but that's really to me what it's about. So, you know, working with people, um, you know, beyond the health audit, then we go from solution to resolution. And that's really a, a journey we engage in over time, you know, and um, I give people homework after appointments so that they can start to integrate things and, you know, author their journey with my support and guidance, right? It's definitely a collaborative endeavor. Uh, and then of course, there are people who I work with. I, I have a, a weight loss collective and mm-hmm. and there are uh, women who I work with there who that's all they're you know, solely what they're focused on. And they're at the point where they have enough uh, very clear understanding of their body specific needs that the group dynamics work well for them. Nice, nice. No, I, th- I think that's really important this day and age is, is having the group dynamics for the weight loss. So I think a lot of people need um, the, the group support, but also just looking at the whole health audit and things of that nature, because I think this is a very great topic to kind of bring in weight coming on the body, not feeling your best. There's a lot of different things that could be going wrong. And it's not always just the thyroid, your gut, or you know, hormones being off. Can you speak a little to what you commonly find in terms of health audits? Like what seems to be, you know, I know the ones that I mentioned, but also like, what else do you find that's off? Yeah. Very commonly I see elevated inflammation, right? And I'm sure you see this too, Janine, right? Sometimes people will show up at a virtual appointment and they'll say, oh my gosh, I'm so inflamed. And I'll ask them, how they experience it in their body. And they'll say, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'm bloated or I, my, I'm breaking out or my joints hurt. People say different things that feel like inflammation for them. But most people have no symptoms of inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. They are chronically inflamed. And the only way we know it is by running labs by doing the tests to figure out what their inflammatory markers look like, right? And so when inflammation is elevated, the body gets shifted into energy energy conservation, energy conservation, aka fat storage, right? So mm-hmm. inflammation is, is going to just be hell on the metabolism and, and people are going to be working upstream until we knock that down you know, and, and how we knock that down is going to depend on the person, but, you know, nutrition, supplementation, and lifestyle fundamentally are going to be the tools that we use. So elevated inflammation and, um, happy to talk markers if you want, but I don't know if that's a little too down the rabbit hole. I'm sure we run some of the same ones, you know, HSDRP and homocysteine are my, you know, pretty common go-tos for inflammatory markers. Um, and then, um, you know, sometimes I'll throw in some that are more heart oriented if I feel like that's a concern for the person in front of me. Um, and then, you know, suboptimal insulin sensitivity all day long, right? Big one. And, you know, we know that lab normal is what, like 19 or so, depending on the lab. Depending on the lab. Yeah. 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 And I like to see it at seven or less. So, you know, that's definitely a big one. Um And, you know, then all these nutrient deficiencies or insufficiencies, which are, 
going to dance with either hormone production or the receptors. And those could be everything from omega threes to vitamin D to, you know, I know these are all things that, that you're, you look at regularly too, but they really do add up over time um, to create a situation where people are, you know, just feel like they're pushing a rock uphill uh, and they are physiologically speaking, because their, their biochemistry is just at that moment working against them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, the, you know, I love that you're mentioning the markers. We talk about them here. I think it's good for folks to hear them and, and write them down and ask your docs, or if your doc won't order them, that's one of the biggest things I hear, then find one that will. That's right. How it works. You find one that will. Now, you know, in terms of looking into all these things, um, does when folks come to you, you know, obviously the health audit's probably going to guide you in the direction. Do you tend to order, um, the metabolic labs, kind of like what you're talking about, inflammation, things of that nature. And then will you order specialty testing? Do you look at oat testing? Do you, so organic mm-hmm. acids, do you look yep. at testing? Like what's, what's your kind of thing that you find to be most, most useful for you? I'd love to hear from different. Yeah. Products. So definitely a lot of, you know, labs, like the ones we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So those I do on almost everyone. I can't really think mm-hmm. of anyone who I haven't done at least some on even, you know, maybe someone arrived with a solid panel and I just want to add on a few additional, um, if they were done recently, but in the way of specialty lab tests that I, that is very much, uh, that's more specific to the person in front of me, right? So sometimes it will be an oat test. Sometimes it will be, uh, one of the microbiome assessments or, um, adrenal and sex hormone or Dutch, or, you know, it just kind of depends on the person. Um, Yeah, I would say, you know, people, I I don't, I feel like I'm getting this less, but there were definitely was like a good chunk of time where people were asking for food sensitivity tests. And I I don't do them very much anymore. You know, I just don't find them necessary or all that useful usually. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of come to that conclusion too. I I've definitely gotten to that stage, you know, if someone wants it and that they're gung ho and wanting it, I'm not going to say yeah. no, but, but I agree with you. It's not as useful as figuring out like what else is out of balance that makes those foods difficult to break down or, you know, usually yeah. it's more of a functional thing. What is your favorite, what is your favorite functional medicine test? Just thought it random curiosity. Oh, the microbiome you. assessment, you know, whether it's, I, I dance back and forth between Genova and Dr. Stata, but mm-hmm. I love their three days, both of them. I, I love them. I, you know, to me, it's like, there's no other way we're getting that information. So, um, you know, there's, there's so much we learn, um, through those tests. So I will, will say, I mean, I'm not, I definitely don't do them on everyone. I only do, do them if it's clinically indicated, but I, I do love them because I discover things that I just can't learn in any other way. And, and folks who are listening, you know, the microbiome assessment she's talking about with doctors data and Genova, these are looking at core stool samples, not just the swab things like the Viome and, and, and different testing like that. This actually looks at how you digest the foods. Do you find that a lot of folks really who are older are struggling with enzyme deficiencies, like as a whole? Honestly, not that much. Okay. Like, you know, via these tests, it's lots, oftentimes someone will arrive at an appointment and, you know, if they're dealing with bloating or constipation or diarrhea, they, they've started themselves on some kind of digestive support from, you know, enzymes. Um, and I I will have them stop before doing these tests and, um, 
it's rare that I find that to be like the thing. Um, it, it, sometimes I find it to be a part of the equation, sure. but I, I don't see it as much as I feel like the world says it's there. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> what about what, what do you, what do you tend to see being more like, let's go with constipation for a second, because I think yeah. that constipation is such a big issue for so many women. Yes. Yeah. Well, two things. First of all, I, I always joke, I'm going to write a book someday called the life-changing magic of pooping um, because I love helping people poop. It's great, right? Everybody feels so much better. So, you know, with constipation, I'm, I, I am going to look at the foundations, right? Mm-hmm. Are you drinking water? Without water, the pipes can't get flushed out, right? Um, are you consuming foods that have fiber, and if so, is that maybe causing your constipation oddly, right? Because mm-hmm. that definitely in, you know, the SIBO world, that can definitely be a, a problem for some people. But if not, then we want to start pulling the fiber, you know, uh, lever, so to speak, to, to help the body. But in the way of, you know, labs, what I'll see with um, constipation is if I'm doing the microbiome assessment, I'll see a low pH, which then makes me think about SIBO. Um, and also I'll see some kind of disruption, whether that's yeast present or, um, a, a pure, you know, quote unquote, bad bacteria, you know, like dysbiotic bacteria or, a you know, a chunk of imbalanced bacteria, bacteria that they're going to say, okay, these shouldn't be present, but they're not disease causing bacteria. But you know, I think about it, like, well, if there's six of these present, there's synergy between these guys, these guys are not welcome. Um, So those are definitely some of the 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 big things that I see with constipation. Um, Then, you know, there are absolutely people who I um, see have more of a like motility problems. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we'll go at that with some supplements, but we'll also look at how we can help their body shift into that parasympathetic world a bit better, whether that's through simple things like gargling to Mm -hmm. stimulate the vagus nerve or meditation or, you know, just coming up with something that works for the person in front of me. Uh, And then certainly there are there are all kinds of great supplements that can be useful to that end. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, constipation, I think is one of the biggies that I do find to be, you know, it's funny, a lot of women, I don't know if you've noticed this, if if they have looser stools, they're like, I might lose a couple pounds. It's cool. But oh, constipation. Totally. Oh, heck no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we are mm-hmm. fun creatures. We certainly are. Um, man, we have talked about a lot of different things and and gone down some good rabbit holes with folks here. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, I'd like to bring it back to really just learning more about ourselves and how important it is to to understand why we do the things we do, what kind of habits and behaviors are, are contributing here. So of course, that's what you're teaching folks, getting back to the middle ground, getting out of this all or nothing approach and away from the inherited paradigm of, of health and what it means to us. So tell us a little bit, Dr. Jesse, of how folks can work with you. Let's talk about your well-empowered site. Let's, let's talk about all the things you've got webinars on there. There's all kinds of stuff. Give it, give us a scoop. 
Yeah, absolutely. So for anyone who's interested in exploring working together, wellempowered.com is my website. And please schedule a complimentary 30 minute zoom consultation, we can talk, I can learn more about you. You can learn more about my approach, ask me questions, and really just look at, you know, what's your next best step for you and your health. Um, I do work with people, obviously, one on one, and we'll be launching a weight loss collective here in the months ahead. So if that's of interest to anyone, please do pop in there. And uh, and and schedule that complimentary consult. And yeah, on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Well Empowered, and uh, that's where mostly I live on the social media world. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, good to hear that you've got some great resources out there for folks. The well, the collective coming for the weight loss. That's good. We mm-hmm. will definitely make sure that folks get all that info in my notes at drjkrausnd.com. So stay tuned for that, guys. Dr. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some great information and reminding us that we can find the middle ground. All we have to do is just learn a little more about ourselves. Such a pleasure to be here with you, Janine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Health Junkies, are you feeling just off, feeling like you're aging a little bit faster than you want to and wondering what in the world is up? Hey, I might have some answers for you and some direction. If you want to chat with me, I am offering complimentary calls right now. You can head over to Dr. Spelled Out, J-K-R-A-U-S-E-N-D.com. Take my quiz, click on the schedule a chat, and let's talk and see if we can get you in the right direction. And if I'm able to help you, I'm going to let you know. Otherwise, I'm going to help you find what you're looking for. Head over to drjkrausnd.com and check it out now. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.